in one age, called the Third Age by some. An age yet to come. An age long past. A wind rose on the Geek at Arms podcast. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the Wheel of Time. But it was a beginning. Welcome to Woolheads, a Wheel of Time podcast by Geek at Arms. I'm Brian, and here's a man that I think surely must be Taviran. It's James. The light loom you, Brian. And you as well, James. So today we're talking Daughter of the Night. This fourth episode of Season 2 starts to show us how the relationships that were so unsettled, the, unsettled, I can speak, at the beginning of the season are going to evolve. Uh, mm-hmm. One hopes that they'd turn into something healthier and more mature, but if they did that, where's the drama? Yeah. <sighs> we get a very striking scene right off the bat. And with the entrance of what we've come to find is Lanfear, the mm. title character, Daughter of the Night, soaked in blood. And, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a low, a low effects uh, scene, but wow. And the, the location for that shot was really striking. I'm I'm honestly surprised that we haven't seen more production shooting in Eastern Europe because these landscapes are fantastic. Um, well, there is something kind of going on over there right now. So, uh, and there has been for the last century or so, I guess. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, uh, filmmakers have a lot of money. You'd, you'd think that they would see these these landscapes and say, "Hey, I want that for my movie." And you know, honestly, if they don't mind, you know, some a change in the scenery, like literally the scenery is changing because of explosions, <laughs> they could probably film out there super cheap right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this uh, this canyon. Uh, from what I read, is on the near the border between the Czech Republic and Poland, okay. uh, and it's absolutely beautiful. Those five spires up above Ishmael's head were just amazing to see. Very cool. And from one striking scene to another, uh, we instantly go into what, in my opinion, is one of the best shots of both Tar Valen and especially the tower itself mm. throughout the entire series. The detail on that was exquisite. I mean, mm-hmm. they had certainly tons of post-production time to <laughs> to do the rendering, and it really shows. I mean, as someone who is so much into VFX as you are, and as much experience as you have had, um, was it? Were you a little nitpicky at times, or was it just like, "Wow, they spent their time on that. That's a beautiful piece of work." The latter. I mean, it was noise-free, you know, high-key, and doing something that's primarily white is difficult. I mean, really. Yeah, uh, you, you kind of need color or texture to to make things look real. Uh, when you have something that look that is you know white, it looks untextured. It looks unfinished. But uh, the level of detail and the the micro details in the tower uh, really really sell it as a real place, a real physical place. I mean, it does not look like a CG rendering to me. No, me neither. Usually, I've grown to really dislike a lot of these twisting overhead shots that are becoming the norm in so many TV shows. Mm. What were my wife and I watching? Strange New Worlds. You'd get this scene would open and it's an exterior shot of the Enterprise, except it's upside down. And (laughs) the camera zooms in as the Enterprise twists around it. And then, you know, we go sideways and then we zoom into a window and that's where the scene is set. And I'm like, okay, first I'm going to throw up. (laughs) <laughs> and then I'll unpause and we can come back to the show. I think part of that is uh, 
one of the the rules in visual effects is that you don't try to render a shot that a real camera couldn't do but now we've got all of these drone shooting shots and they're finding out hey we can do all of these crazy weird camera moves with drones flying through the air and so all all holds no holds barred on the uh, all holds barred this is the most boring wrestling match ever. No, no holds barred on the cinematography. We're just going to do whatever we want. An all holds barred wrestling match is actually just rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the Corridor crew did a, a recent video on rock, paper, scissors. It was very dynamic. I saw so, that. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this shot was just, it was just an overhead just flying over the top. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't any crazy motion. It looked no, like. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was, it's a shot that if they put that on a poster, I'd buy it. Mm. Yeah, you know I might too. It's really huge on my on my wall behind me when I'm uh, <laughs> taking calls for work. There you go. Um, what is that, Brian? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, small, minor details, I made a comment a couple of episodes ago about the clothing and the garb mm-hmm. in this show. Um. In this episode, I want to walk some of that back because there was a lot of very beautiful clothing, colorful, smallest of details, a hand looked like hand woven trim, colorful, mm-hmm. um, natural fibers. Uh, you see them on these beautiful clothing on these happy children running around playing, and the adults, a community eating together. It was very nicely done. And um, it's so refreshing to see that in a medieval-esque fantasy show where no one is wearing Fifty Shades of Brown. (laughs) Yeah, I I admit I don't really notice the costuming as much as you do. Uh, I did wonder exactly how much weight of wire was in that dress Moraine was wearing. (laughs) Boning. That's just just plastic boning all throughout. Having recently done a little bit of work and needing stiffened fabrics i know how much effort that takes and yeah there must have been a lot under there because it's all rigid (laughs) shoulders skirt all of it what's the actress's name rosamund pike rosamund pike what we don't know is that she is just built like a brick house she is solid muscle (laughs) we know exactly how she's built with as much time as she spends in the bathtub (laughs) one every two episodes that's in her contract (laughs) Um, another point about the garb I wanted to make is that, uh, while I am partial to the look and the cut of clothing from, uh, medieval Europe, uh, the clothes in this show are from a much wider cultural spectrum Mm -hmm. and I like it. Yeah, me too. And that's not just the clothes. You see that in the architecture and in how they borrow from various uh, Eastern cultures as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it a show that will be much more, in, will be enjoyable by, by far more people than just like your standard, uh, you know, pseudo medieval fantasy crowd. I think I want to do a, just a study of uh, patterns in decorative mullions in windows. <laughs> just comparing cultures like this is what the windows look like in Shinar and this is what Kyrian's windows look like here bo- they are in the in Tarvalon because boy do we get a lot of shots of those yeah like all, all of these windows have these really elaborate mullions in them which they're gorgeous I mm-hmm. love them but 
it, I imagine it makes it really easy for tracking, motion tracking. Either that or there was a sale somewhere <laughs> yeah. and they just buy them all, buy them all. <laughs> what about what about curtains? We've got no budget for no curtains. curtains. No curtains, <laughs> just just these wooden frame things <laughs> that go on top of the window. No no stained glass either, just these things. That's right. Um I talk about the the clothing of the people who were looked like very much like a part of a community. I also liked that we got to see people actually eating and drinking together. <laughs> we talked about this last night. Um, we don't see people eating in TV shows or movies hardly ever for a very good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having to do multiple takes time and time and time <laughs> again. So either one, the food, which probably didn't start out that great to begin with, it's going to get even worse, or the person's just going to get stuffed. Did you ever listen to the audio commentary on the first Spider-Man movie? No, I didn't. Oh, they're talking about that the Thanksgiving dinner, and they've got this massive turkey in the middle of the table. And they said that after they were, were working on the scene for three days under the studio lighting, and that was a real turkey. And they said, by the end of it, it smelled so bad, oh. nobody could stand to be in the room with it anymore. Why didn't they get a new turkey? I Continuity? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> No, the new turkey, the, the the color palette won't match the one we had from yesterday. <laughs> well, that doesn't matter. It's going to get gross. It's going to cost 150000 more in effects to get the colors right. <laughs> right. Never At mind. Point, it probably would bring back the Bring back the trash turkey. Very early digital effects. We blew it all, making uh, Tobey Maguire look good in spandex. <laughs> but here we get to see people actually eating, mm-hmm. actually drinking together, and... And it looked tasty. It, it did look good. The food in this series is the close-ups that we get of it looks very good, very real as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I bet you it was the director's like, right, we get one take at this, okay? <laughs> That's it. Because the crew's going to eat all of this right after. <laughs> it's, it's not going to make it. Um, uh, I only have two more production notes. Uh, I like that. We finally get a scene past the foregate and carry in. <laughs> and on the the bad side, the poor side, or the refugee side of the foregate, it's all these ramshackle buildings that look like they've been put mm-hmm. together with cast-off, uh, mismatched pieces of lumber and fabric and very much a fire hazard, which we found out in, <laughs> in, in this episode. Um but also, we see past the foregate into Carrion proper and very different looking mm-hmm. houses and buildings. Um, actually, kind of what I envisioned Carrion and architecture to look like. Yeah, they're they're really getting the uh, the character of the city with the straight lines. Mm-hmm. Everything is geometric in Carrion. Yes. Uh, finally, um, thankfully, this was a bit more of a Rand heavy episode, and as he and Celine are going on their, you know, uh, cabin vacation, we get a close up of his baldric. Oh yeah, and the those herons. two beautiful brass herons on the as that part of the very buckle. Nice touch, I loved it. Very very nice touch. Also, kind of advertising what you got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the point of a heron mark blade. True, but um, 
that is the point of a heron mark blade but um Perrin, uh, no, not Perrin. Um, although Perrin's been using a sword more than Rand has lately, <laughs> Rand's not up to having a, a Heronmark blade yet. That's true. So I mean, if you don't got it, don't flaunt it. Yeah, that does become at least in in the novel, The Great Hunt. That did become a, a plot point where High Lord Turax sees the Herons and says, "I wonder what it takes to become a blade master on this side of the ocean." Mm-hmm. Um, and if Rand's wearing his sword on his back. You don't really see the herons because they didn't put it on the like the handle. I don't think. Which in the books it must have been because he that's it, how he got his brand. It, well, also in the book, uh, we he when the party comes to Andor, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's a city in Camelin um, is a city divided. Some are for the queen, some are for right, someone else, and people had tied cloths uh, like a red piece of cloth or like a black piece of cloth. Or blue or something. Red or white. Red or white, okay. Which side they were going to be on. And Rand took a, I think, a red piece of cloth and he tied it around the pommel. It showed that he had chosen a side and no one looked at him strange because everyone was choosing sides. And it also covered the heron. Mm-hmm. And we get the real first reaction of what a heron marked blade means because after he climbs a wall to get a look at oh, Logan, yeah. falls and he meets uh, the princess and the prince and. Somehow, through shenanigans, he finds himself in the court, uh, in the throne room, in front of Morghese, and it was Elida. Elida comes up and says, "A young boy from from the two rivers, a young boy with a heron marked sword." And suddenly, it's like a pin. You could hear a pin drop in the throne room because everyone's like, <gasps> "Is surrounded is, by twenty soldiers." All of whom thought they were about to die. Yeah. Because they thought this isn't just a country bumpkin. He's got a heron marked sword. He's a blade master. We're hoes, but we're going to die protecting the queen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that being said, listeners, if you haven't uh, realized yet that heron marked blades are kind of a big deal in this world, <laughs> they are. So much that we've spent the last five minutes even talking about the buckle. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the point being that having it on the buckle means that people will be able to see that he's claiming to be a blade master at least. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of a little uh, a subtle way of saying do not mess with. Yeah. Um, unless you're one of those people that have kept picking fights with uh, Miyamoto Musashi. <laughs> well, did you have anything else for production? Uh, no, that covered everything for me. All right. So Copland talk. Yeah. I am still not sold on the Wolf Vision thing. I totally am not. Even seeing it in better uh, context, it's like, I like seeing Hopper. You know, that's, oh yeah, it's Hopper. That made me happy. Yeah, but it's still like, eh. And if that's what was going on in in the Flies scene... What, was there a wolf in the room watching that happen? Yeah, seriously. I I, I just don't... Who sent that, if (laughs) not one of the other wolves? And... Parent story in general hasn't been resonating with me. It's been that way with me for the beginning. Yeah, I like Perrin, and mm-hmm. I liked what they did at the beginning with him, as I as I mentioned. But I don't know. He had this big speech about vengeance to Ingtar and the first or second episode. But I haven't seen the tension to balance that. Parent, vengeance was never something that was on Perrin's mind in the books. He was not a vengeance type of guy. 
uh, until a certain point came, yeah. which we're not going to talk about. Okay. That's, but at that point, the story and his character had built, and yeah. so much had happened that you his his quest for vengeance was understandable. Mm-hmm. At this point, it is not. Yeah. Um, I I still feel like I love I love the gentleman who they got to play Perrin. Yeah, he's doing a great job with what he's been given. Uh, but I still feel like the writers are kind of doing my boy wrong. Um, I, f- I think they're trying to shoehorn too much of the original books into his plot lines, and they should just do the same thing they're doing with Rand and Matt and just say, okay, it, here's, we have the seed, and we're going to do what's, what's right for Perrin here mm-hmm. instead of this, putting the entire great hunt on his, onto his character the way yeah, they're doing it. Yeah, that's not fair for him. Um, one minor point... Um, and this goes to um, the red sister, whose name I, I want to say Elena every time, but Leandrin. Leandrin, thank you. Can Aya Sedai get pregnant? They can, but they don't generally. I think they have some method of uh, preventing a pregnancy if they if they wish to. Okay. But most of the time, based on what I remember, it was a matter of um, they just don't marry. They're they're married to whatever their particular work is, um, and somebody at some point, they specifically mentioned one of the white sisters had suggested that Isidai should start being forced to have children because we're calling out the ability to channel from the entire population. Well, fewer and fewer sisters have been coming to the tower every year, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember that specifically because everybody's like, "Oh no, that's ridiculous." Mm-hmm. I just <laughs> I couldn't remember. And the fact that we see her with a son that she had 90 years ago. Mm-hmm. One, I just I don't know if I ever read an account of, even if they can't get pregnant, of Anaya Sedai having a child in the books. And also the fact that they're showing that it's a red sister yeah. having a child and a son no less. That's, I mean, yeah. You understand where I'm going. Yeah. Um, I do wonder what the timing is on her uh, accession to Aya Sedai. Did she have this child before she became Aya Sedai? You know, while she was a novice or something, carrying on with a servant? <laughs> Who knows? She made, in her conversations with Nynaeve, it made her sound like that she did it because she wanted to have something in this world that was 100% totally hers. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's I don't know. I'll be interested to see if it goes somewhere interesting, mm-hmm. or if it's just oh we're trying to just humanize Leandrin. Uh, um, but this is something that ties her back to Tarvalon if she has to go in hiding because you know eventually Gwen and Elaine are going to come back to the tower. Yeah, um, and she's going to have to run away or do something about it. Mm-hmm. But that will set up a tension for her to she's still got to to try and balance that to get her son out yeah or maybe he'll have died by then because he obviously doesn't look like he's in uh great shape nope um particularly if mom keeps poisoning him (laughs) (laughs) so honestly he maybe it's not 90 maybe he's maybe he's actually just like you know 38 she's just a really (laughs) bad mother (laughs) well i that could be uh, I was about to shout at the screen with the men talking to Ishamel. I'm like, no, no, n- Min is no, not a dark. No, friend. 
Not at all. No. Speaking of men, <laughs> she was going to be my next thing. Mm-hmm. Her her visions. Mm-hmm. In the book, they're described as much more symbolic, yeah, metaphorical. metaphorical. And instead of just showing straight, here's exactly what's going to happen in your future. Mm-hmm. You know, because half the time she doesn't even, more than half you're the gonna time, die. she doesn't even know what You're going to be covered in blood. You're stabbing Rand. <laughs> um... I don't like I don't like what they're doing with this. Yeah, I think I think they're making them too literal. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone who has a very literal personality, even <laughs> I found that too much. Yeah. Um. You, uh, well, it, it it closes off an area of fun, uh, speculation, and wonder and curiosity for the right, watchers. Yeah. What is this image, Rishi? What does this mean? What does it mean that Matt's putting one of his eyes on a balance scale? Exactly. <sighs> Apologies to Joy. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, but the whole scene with Ishamel, I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, not liking that. Um, we do get to see of more, more of Rand, uh, more of Rand fighting. Well, some of Rand fighting. Um, he's a horrible sword fi- swordsman. Um, <laughs> and at this point in the books, he was not. He was getting better. Yeah. Because he was being trained by land, but we already talked about that. Get that, so... He's um, just got this old man in the sanitarium who's maybe teaching him the right things. He's he's like, I, w- I was taught by a by a blade master. Were you? He kind of waved his cane around. That's that's really all I've got. <laughs> um, there he and Selene are attacked by a midral, mm-hmm. and after the midral is burnt to a crisp by Rand's first purposeful channeling, it, are they just? Not going to ask how a midral found them? Well, uh, Rand probably should. Uh, Celine already knows, obviously. Yeah, but... My big question is, why were they sleeping on the ground when that cabin was right behind them? Yeah, I have slept on the ground before. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. And it's not cracked up to be a whole lot. <laughs> and I don't care how pretty the lady is. It's like, oh, let's sleep under the stars. You sleep under the stars. I'm going to a pillow. Yes, but he 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 wipes it out, and I know he's about to tell. But still, you, you nearly died, dude. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's not like you know a bear wandered into camp. Okay, it's a midral, a fade, a lurk. It found you, and these things usually don't travel alone. Why are you like? Let's head back to the cabin now. You know my <laughs> deepest secret. Yeah. Well, that's over. I'm glad there was only one. Yeah, and I mean we know why there was only one. Right. And that leads to my final bit of Copland talk. Rand's never been real bright, though. Uh, even in the books. Yeah. You see that... Oh, it's her name's not Celine. Through some very clever voiceover from <laughs> uh, the others who have found the prophecy. Or maybe not a prophecy, but just it's more like a headstone inscription. Right. Um, of Over her seal. Uh, and the daughter of the night, she comes forth. Was she described in the books as being the most powerful of the Forsaken? Uh, she was second only to Ishamael. Gotcha. Um, so she is straddling Rand, and suddenly it's like, I have, I have a secret to tell you. I'm a monster too. And I'm like, kind of killing the romance here, love. <laughs> not what you want to tell the dude after you've tied him up. Well, first off, don't tie him up. Secondly, don't say, I'm a monster too, because they could go a lot of weird ways. <laughs> but then, like, the air around her starts to shimmer, and you get an idea something bad is coming next. And then 
uh, we see what's coming next, a sword through her chest, mm-hmm. which for a moment, I thought that she was doing some type of weird one power visual thing to show what she was. Because they spent the whole, like, you know, the, the blood rhyme or wow. the, the, the and like, you know, blood within. But I don't know. I don't remember. Blood calls blood. Blood calls blood. So she's going to cover herself with blood or what? I kind of thought that's where it was going. But then she gets her head pulled back and it's Moraine has found them. And so apparently a sword through the heart and a cut throat, like ear to ear, still doesn't kill a Forsaken? Yeah, them being physically invulnerable, I think that's a really bad change. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to turn them into Terminators. They're not... Yeah, they're they're threatening. Their their primary threat comes from the manipulation. They're smart. They they know all about the one power, not because they can't be. Yeah. Cr- they're they're strong in the power, stronger than most modern Aes Sedai. But their main danger is that knowledge that all the rest have completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. They still got to have that paranoid of somebody was sticking me with a sword can still kill me. Mm. What is that line from the uh, from the Vlad Taltos novels? I don't care if you're the you know the, the mightiest warrior. The, the smartest general, uh, the savviest politician. A knife between the, still, the shoulder blades will still seriously cramp your style. Yes. Uh, Vlad knows much. Mm-hmm. We could use him right now. <laughs> well, that's all I had for Con- uh, Copland Talk. I think that's about everything I had, too. I did want to say I thought that Leandrin's treachery was too abrupt. Agreed. It wanted at least a couple more lines before she... Uh, she blasted everybody. Uh, it, that that scene didn't didn't fit together. In no, my opinion, very no, well. it did not. Um, but let's talk about some changes in the pattern that we did like. Um, we know so little of Moraine in the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 piece out her backstory just bit by bit. I really enjoyed that we got to see her ancestral home. Yeah. Um, more about her family and her little sister. Yeah. Who. She looks much younger than, which was a nice <laughs> twist. I enjoyed. I liked that the the person who approached Rand at the party happens to be Moraine's sister. It's like in any other show, in any other with any other character, I would say that's too much of a coincidence. But Taviran, Taviran, so they can get away with so much. Because <laughs> of that. Uh, plot armor? No, no, it's Taviran. <laughs> um, uh, back to the tower. So beautifully shot. Before we get off oh, of Moraine, sorry. Yes. Um, she's coming out of her funk, but she's still brittle. We can see it. Pike continues to really impress me with her ability to emote powerfully without saying anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the the tension around her eyes yeah. tells us, you know, she's she's in a place where nobody knows that she can't channel any here. I mean, everybody assumes she's still Aes Sedai, but she has to be twice the Aes Sedai to make up for it. Um, and just her performance is, I really enjoyed her interaction with Loghain. She knows mm-hmm. enough about him. She even takes him a bottle of Geld and red. Yeah. That was a nice touch. And as, like you said, as far as everyone knows, she can still channel mm-hmm. and he sees her not happy to see her. <laughs> He's laid much of the blame for his present circumstance on her. Mm-hmm. And, they're circling each other verbally and physically. And she's always, she's just, just, she's on the back step because she knows she can't channel and she does not want this to turn physical. Right. 
but she's doing it in such a calm and subtle way, just matching him step for step while trying to stay in charge of the conversation. Um, because he's the last person who can ever know she can't channel right now. Yeah. Which is also, I think, why half of the reason why she brought the knife out. Yeah, that was she, brilliant. There's like she it looks like she's offering him the knife to kill himself, but she's using it for self-defense. Yeah. It's brilliant. Well, if an Aya Sade can use something to make one point, it can serve two. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very Aya Sedai thing. Or half a dozen. <laughs> yeah, or half a dozen. Um so protection and to and to get his attention. Mm-hmm. So the focus is no longer on her. It's on the knife. I will leave this with you if you do everything I ask you to do. Right. Man, if if you if you perform this hard and difficult task, <laughs> I will leave you the means to kill yourself. If that's not an Ayas Sedai twist, I don't know what is. Yeah. But speaking of Ayas Sedai, I've been loving the scenes in the tower that we've been getting of the daily life of the novices and the mm-hmm. accepted. Um it's a, it's really enjoyable to see because we don't get a lot of that in the books. So even though they're having to take time to do it in the show. I've enjoyed how they've incorporated it, uh, especially in the burgeoning friendship between Egwene and Elaine, which Mm -hmm. is a strong one in the books. And it's creating that foundation for what the two will go through together later or very soon now. Right. Um, I'm going to kind of speed through these because we're at 29 minutes. (laughs) Uh, More wolf training. Yay. So got to see Hopper. Still, like you, don't like the weird wolf visions, but um, I'm happy that Perrin is among the wolves and is learning that about himself. I liked the effect of Elias's eyes are that golden color now all the time. All the time, Perrin's switch right back and forth using his powers. They turn Mm -hmm. part of that. I'm sure is budget because they don't want to do eye glows on him constantly, Mm -hmm. and contacts just don't work. No, so but it's it's enjoyable. Um, Maxime is turning into my favorite character. <laughs> He's really bad at being a warder. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he can't meditate. He can't handle having a lot in his head. I'm I'm just hoping that they're going to balance that with uh, maybe this is more theory crafting than changing the pattern. But he's going to turn out to be just some amazing. Uh, Warrior, uh, battle rage. He lasted for 10 minutes that time. Personal best. <laughs> He's got some great lines. He does. Just, I, I'm loving him more and more. Um, we talked earlier how we did not like the encounter between Min and Ishamel. Mm-hmm. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that they are meeting at Teleron Riod. You think? She was having a dream that she was back with her sisters uh, yeah. and they were using her to see visions for money. And she, without moving in that same place, suddenly all those, that line that of people... That was disjointed. That was weird. You know, all those people who were there are suddenly gone and it's Ishmael sitting across from her. That, that could make sense. So I think that that was our first look into the world of dreams. He was using it to look into hers. Because he knew where she was going to be. Right. Because um, Elena told her, told him. So, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I'm still not sure why Leandrin and 
by extension in Shamail or sending uh, Min and Matt to Karien. I guess the Shamail probably knows that Rand is there because Lanfear is there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not sure what the motivation of sending them there. You'd think they'd want to keep them apart. Uh, Maybe they don't realize that Matt and even Perrin are as strong a Tavern as Rand is. Maybe so. I mean, they've got so much focus on... Well, we, we, we know where the Dragon Reborn right, is. We've identified the Dragon. These other two guys don't matter as much. Mm-hmm. But we but they're they're important enough. We want we want to know... Where, we want all the eggs in one basket. Right. We want the levers where we can reach them, I guess. That exactly. makes sense. So, um, anything else? Um, I did want want to mention a little bit back to Lan and Alana. Um, that happened much later in the books, uh, Moraine sending Lan, uh, but that was because Moraine died. Yeah, well, did she actually send her the the uh, the um, the bond, or was the because the way I understood it was that the bond just cut off, and so he's just cut off from her, and so now he's being sent. It's there was no transference of the bond between him and Moraine. He's just been kind of having to deal with it. Yeah, I'm. St- I'm still not 100% on that one. I think that the bond is still there, but because she had masked it before she was stilled in air quotes, I think she was still merely shielded. Agreed. um, That he can't feel it anymore, but I think it's still there. Agreed, yeah. Otherwise, uh, she wouldn't have said that Varen would take it by force. Yeah. If it didn't exist, then there would be nothing for Varen No, it's still there. She's just shielded, but she doesn't know that. For as far as she knows, she's been stilled. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but what I wonder, well, I think that that means that probably we're not going to have Moraine getting killed, uh, killing Lanfear because I mean, I don't think she's really the main character. Uh, Rosamund Pike thinks she's the main character, but (laughs) (laughs) she is the biggest name on the cast and she is very central to the story. Uh, and I don't think it would make sense to cut her out for three quarters of the the series. Nope. But Um, it does leave me wondering about Lan's fate. Um, I don't doubt he's going to end up bonded and married to Nynaeve eventually but since she's still accepted that's got to be kind of far off mm-hmm. so what's well, what's going to be going on with Lan in the meantime I don't know <laughs> and, I don't know we're and in every few... time we make this, make predictions we're wrong so um, so my first thing in future casting is I think that our heroes are going to meet either on the road or at FOM itself because from the teasers that we've seen and but the fact that the Sion Shan are gathering in the West, that seems to be their central place, even though they're sending High Lady Suroth to tiny little fishing villages with <laughs> yeah. three dozen people. Um all of it it takes that many just to lift up her little pyramid that she travels around on. But anyway, uh, I think that's that's where we'll be gathering next. We'll get She's the like the ultimate uh, micromanager. <laughs> Thirty soldiers. Somebody from the blood has to be in charge. Well, see that that's what the the, the extra long fingernails are for. They're 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 pointers. Well, no. they are. <laughs> she was using them to to communicate it. That was her. Well, they also come in, in handy during like budget meetings when she's you know pointing on the, <laughs> right the on the on the on the whiteboard. This line is going down. This one is going up. This one is staying level, which means you two are going to die. <laughs> Where's the horn? Um, uh, that's why Uno was killed. He just he wasn't meeting the um, the, the wasn't meeting the budget. He was under quota. Yes. Uh, I still think that it is going to be Matt who blows the uh, horn of Valer. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't see anything that would indicate a need or a reason to change that other than Matt not being there. But mm-hmm. I think he will be there eventually. Agreed. And my final feature casting is that, not in this season, but season three, first episode, front and center, Tom Marilyn. Oh, he better be. Enough said. <laughs> Need more Tom Marilyn. I, it broke my heart when we found out last night that he wasn't in season two at all. Yeah. I've been holding out hope. And he it was such a, well, not a central figure throughout the books. He was an enjoyable and wonderful secondary character who brought so much. And we we need to see him. To be fair, his role in The Great Hunt and The Shadow Rising, or no, The Great Hunt and The Dragon Reborn, his book three, mm-hmm. weren't very large. So he's not really as necessary at this point as he will be once we hit uh, The Shadow Rising when he's... And the fires of heaven when he's wandering around with Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine. I hope to see that. Um, I think that's it. All right. Well, the light illumine you and see you safe to your journey's end. <laughs>